0: Okay, it's starting. Okay, so glad, as I'm sure you guys know, tonight is Outlet Dinner. It's our first ever, so I'm talking for 15 minutes, uh, 17 minutes maybe, and then we're going to go eat on the patio. Love, if you guys are able to hang around. If you've got a Bible, turn to Isaiah 25. I've just got a few thoughts for you, Um, and I want to start off by saying this. I love food, and you might be thinking, I love food. Not like me. I love food. Food. I would say, if I'm being dead serious, I think that for me, food is one of the great joys of my life. I love food. People who don't eat good food are just sad. Um, In fact, there was a a season in my life where I was obsessed with being skinny. My wife will be able to tell you that there was just a season where I weigh about 220 right now, not that it's any of your business. (laughs) I weigh about 220. Uh, I was down to 175. Uh, In fact, there was... um, there was a time uh, I, told, I was preaching and I told a story about how I was really into fitness and losing weight and eating healthy and stuff. And one of the ushers came up to me and said, he said, this is going to sound weird, but I thought you were sick. He thought I actually had some sort of disease and that was why I was so skinny. Um, at one time we were eating with my sister and she said, she, she told me, she said, the vein in your head is making me uncomfortable. <laughs> That's how skinny I was. Um, and so... Let, a, a, a while later, I decided, you know, to heck with that. And my wife told me uh, that I am just a lot happier when I'm eating good food. So because I was just eating broccoli and tuna. And so I love food. I think so much of um, social uh, gatherings are centered around food, really. My wife laughed when she first became a Eifert. Uh, we laughed together because she said, when you guys are eating your meal, you're also planning your next meal. And that's just true because we're eating. It's like, what are we going to do for dinner is the real question. So I, I love food. And I think if, if you um, if you have friends, I'm sure you do, and they were to ask you to come hang out, you would probably think this, like, yeah, what are we eating? You know what I mean? That's just like food is a big deal. And I think in the Bible, we've talked about this before, but one thing that's really interesting in the Bible is there's... A huge significance placed on who you eat with. Especially, this is especially true with Jesus. It seems like Jesus was always eating with the wrong people. Jesus, it, to, According to the religious people, he was always eating uh, with people they didn't approve of. It was the primary scandal of the ministry of Jesus. Of all the edgy things that he would do and say, uh, the primary criticism was this guy would eat with anybody like this guy would eat with, remember, remember Zacchaeus? Of course, the story of Zacchaeus, the wee little man. Uh, well, well, he's like the worst of the worst. He's a tax collector. So everyone despised him. He was the social pariah of society. And Jesus would point to him, name him in particular and say this, like, get down here because I am going to eat at your house. And so in, in ancient Jewish culture, what you have to understand that is, is to share a meal uh, really means that you would validate somebody. It wasn't just like eating in the same way that it is now, but it meant something really uh, deeply. There's something about, something kind of intimate about sitting eyeball to eyeball eating with somebody else because you can only look so good, of course, when you're eating. And it's kind of like for Jesus, uh, the idea of eating was this radical act of hospitality where he wasn't just eating, but he was saying something about the people that he was eating with. In fact, you could say it like this. My only point tonight is this. The table of Jesus is where Jesus turns his enemies into his friends. The table of Jesus is where Jesus turns his enemies into his friends. And food is a big deal, and that's not just true in America, and it's not just true in 2017, but food is a big deal uh, throughout um, cultures. In fact, you could read about a great Bible study or a great historical study, if you ever want to study um, historical feasts. In fact, in the ancient Near East, um, during Bible times, there was this idea of the victory banquet. And so what would happen in the victory banquet is uh, when, this, when a, uh, an army would go and they would win a military battle, well, they would return home. And what of course was thrown for them was this huge, gigantic feast. And then all of the generals and the commanders and anything, anybody who would do something particularly heroic, heroic or brave in, um, in the battle, they would get to sit near the head of the table. The people who were just like kind of regular soldiers, well, they would sit near the end um, of the table. And so that's true in ancient culture. That's just the, the culture that the Bible was written, but it's not just ancient culture. Also, if you study ancient mythology, there's all this talk about um, feasts. I don't know if anybody ever wrote, read the epic poem Beowulf, Anybody? Beowulf. Does anybody know? Did anyone see the movie Two Thousand? Okay, there we okay. Uh, So the idea of of Beowulf is there's this guy Beowulf. He he wins this battle. He defeats this huge monster. And then what do they do? They go home and what? They just have a huge feast. They have a huge feast in Beowulf's um, honor. There's this old Babylonian folk tale folktale. It's called Enuma Elish. And the idea of this, it's kind of weird, but this god, Marduk, well, he would go and he would kill his own mother. And from the remains, he creates Babylon. So that was the mythology on how Babylon was created. Uh, and so, of course, once he does this great thing, according to the gods of war, well, he, would, he hosted this huge, great feast of all the other gods of war. And they would go and drink beer or Mead, they would drink mead and they had this huge uh, feast. But it's all this idea of this victory feast. Of course, you can find in Canaanite culture, um, there's a story where Baal defeats Yam and he throws what? A huge feast, of course. And so, all throughout ancient culture and all throughout ancient mythology, is this idea of the um, epic victory feast. And the idea is this when you defeat your enemies, you throw a feast. That's the idea, right? You win this battle and then you throw a feast. You can actually see this kind of in the Bible in a way too. If you go to the book of Exodus, you see that God wins this battle um, against Pharaoh, right? And then, and then they throw, does anybody know? The Passover, right? So they throw this Passover feast and the Passover becomes this feast celebration of God's triumph over uh, Egypt, And then if you were to skip down to uh, the book of Ezekiel, you see that God defeats this mighty king named Gog. And of course, what do they do? They throw this huge, mighty feast to celebrate um, uh, the victory. But then by the time you find your way to uh, the book of Isaiah, well, Isaiah is also talking about a feast, but he's talking about a very different kind of feast. Isaiah chapter 25, if you have your Bibles, uh, Isaiah 25. Of course, I've got the words on the screen. Y'all know me. Isaiah 25 and verse six says this, talking about a new feast. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples. Will you say that? All peoples. A banquet of aged wine, the best meats and the finest wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples. Will you say that? All peoples. The sheet that covers all nations. Say that all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. Uh, he will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. So I just love this idea that you see in the prophet Isaiah that God offers a feast, not just for the strong, not just for the mighty, not just for the victorious, but he throws um, a feast for all people. And it's not just, it's not just like a, a tacky McDonald's type feast. It says this, that it's the best wine and the best food. Isaiah chapter 55 um, verse one says this. He's continuing. He says this, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest fare. Give ear and come to me, listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with my faithful love promised to David. So here you see this, understand this, that the culture that we find ourselves in was that feasts were reserved for the victorious. Feasts were reserved for just the top of society, And even if you were lucky enough to sit at the table, you were likely gonna sit at the back of the table because you weren't heroic in the same way that these other uh, people were. But Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, he's looking forward to a day where all people are invited to uh, the feast and there's not this sort of class system. Of course, if you go to the book of Revelation, which is the last book in the Bible and the very end of the book of Revelation, one of kind of the the climaxes of uh, the book and thus the Bible is this wedding feast of the lamb. And so you can see that there's so much talk in the Bible about um, all of these different feasts. Well, Jesus comes and of course kind of expands on this idea. Can you tell how fast I'm going? Luke chapter 14, if you've got your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 14. Jesus here tells a story of a great feast. But the the story that Jesus tells about a great feast is a very different kind of feast than we see that was popular in their culture, which was a feast that was reserved for the people who would go to war and the people who would be at the highest rank. Luke chapter 14, uh, verse 15 says this. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. See what he's doing there? He's doing the old school way. Like, well, we're gonna be at the, you know, the people who are at the best, like blessed are the people who are at the top, the top of the kingdom. And Jesus says this, Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. Now they all alike began to make excuses. Let's stop here. So it's interesting that you see here that there is a man and he invites people to this great banquet, but everyone starts to make excuses. And then he lists some excuses and this is just a, a diversion side, but I think it's kind of interesting. If you go to the book of Deuteronomy, you can see that there's all these different exceptions when it was time to go to war, all these different excuses about why you were able to miss uh, going to war and all these different things that like if this was true of you, then you could be excused and you could be absentee for the war. Well, they go through and they list all of these different excuses, and they're the same excuses that are found in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, And here it is. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. (laughs) It's weird, Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. I think I know that guy. yeah. Uh, the, servant, uh, the servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in, check this out, the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. So we're instantly thinking, what kind of feast? what kind of weird feast is this? The poor, the blind, the sick, and the lame. Uh, Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. So you can see here that what Jesus envisions when he envisions a victory feast is a very different kind of feast. Whereas normally uh, the, the people, when they get, to the feast, well, they're they're toasting and they're drinking and they're celebrating all of their great victories in battle. But this is a different kind of feast because now the guests are coming. They're just like the poor and the blind and the late, like. They haven't done anything in battle, so it's kind of interesting because these people don't have anything to brag about. So it's kind of a weird kind of feast because there's nothing there's nothing to even be proud of. There's nothing to toast. Like, what are we going to do? Just sit there? You know, it's like, so how you been doing? Well pretty, pretty bad. You know what I mean? I'm pretty broken. I'm, I'm lame. I'm, I'm homeless. You know what I mean? Like, like it's a weird kind of feast. And another thing is there's no rank. So it's not like the good people sit at the head of the table and the dumb people sit at the back of the table. No, just everyone is the same. And the owner comes and says this, just bring anybody. Bring the poor, bring the crippled, bring the lame, because I want my house full. This is the, this is the kind of feast that we see the uh, prophet Isaiah kind of prophesying about. And then, of course, if you go to um, the Last Supper, the poorly named Last Supper, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like the First Supper, <laughs> the first of this kind of supper. But um, I, just, I just love that the feast of the Last Supper was not just offered to um, the disciples who would remain faithful. Whoever that would be, like, I'm not sure, possibly John, if you were to ask John. <laughs> John comes across very good in the gospel of John, if you didn't know that. Um, he's always bragging about how great John is. And then you realize he's the one who wrote the book. Um, but I, I just love that, 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 that it was offered to the 12. So it wasn't offered just to the 10. It was also offered uh, to Peter, who right after this would go and deny Jesus. And it's offered. It's offered to Judas, who right after this would go and betray G, uh, Jesus, uh, even unto death. And so, just just know this: um, that everyone who comes to the table of Jesus is unworthy. You just need to know that. And, and it's it's the idea is this: it's the thing that makes the table of Jesus unique from anything else that you would see in the world is that everyone is invited. And so it, it just kind of makes me think of, in a lot of ways, the communion invitation that we recite most weeks uh, as we receive communion. I, I have it up on the screen. I just wanted to go through it. Um, when you think about the great feast of Jesus, it, um, this is the idea. This is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It's made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So you can see here that it's not just, it's not just the good, it's also the people who wish they were better. You, so come, you who have much faith and you who have little, You see how it's getting rid of that class system, that rank system, because it's just everyone being included at the table um, of God. You who have been here often and you who have not been here long, again, it's rejecting this idea of you being like the super Christians and other people being um, the weak Christians. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come because it is the Lord. Remember Luke 14, come because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here, so come to uh, the table. So this... I think this parable that we read about in Luke chapter 14, I think it's acted out every time we get together to eat and to drink. And that's, of course, true for uh, the communion sacrament that we do at the end of every service. But it's also true, I believe, every time we get together for um, a meal. So, And instead of the message being uh, only people who are good and holy are allowed to come to this table, no, the message is this, that all are welcome everyone is welcome. If you've been here forever and you never miss a week, maybe you've never been here and you feel totally broken and insecure, um, the idea is this, that you are welcome at the table of God. And the beautiful idea is this, instead of, instead of us making him dirty, we would come to him and he would make us clean. And I just want you to hear my heart. It's a super quick idea, but hear my heart is that nobody is not invited to the table. So long as this community is under my care, there is nobody that's not invited uh, to this table. There's no one who's unwelcome. And so it's just the, the only thing that would keep you away would be your own excuse. Remember the parable? I can't, I've got so many things to do. I, you know, I, I feel this certain way. I've got so many other priorities. The thing that will keep you away from the table is not that the invitation is not there for you. The thing that would keep you away from the table of the Lord is simply the excuses that you would choose to make. Meanwhile, the power of the gospel says this, that God sees you exactly as you are and you are completely loved. And so the idea is that if you are at a place tonight where you just feel like, I shouldn't be here, I definitely shouldn't be at church, of course, the classic example like, lightning's gonna come and strike me down if I can. Just just know this, that God sees you exactly as you are and he welcomes you. He, 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 he's not gonna keep you the same, but you are free to come. You are always free to be here. There's always a place for you at the table. The invitation to every single one of us from Jesus himself is this, come and eat. So if you're able to stick around, how did I do? Pause. 17, I said 17. Uh, if you're able to stick around, of course, we're going to eat dinner. We would love uh, to do that. It's not much of a feast, I'm sorry, it's, it's like burgers and chicken um, chips uh, on paper plates. So it's not like a huge epic battle feast. Uh, but but my, hope is, my hope is this, is that you would be able to connect something beautiful to it in the same way. Like I, I love the idea, one thing I love about church and one thing I love about eating at church especially is, is that you end up eating with people that you would never in a billion years eat with otherwise. You know what I mean? People in different cultures and different journeys in their faith. That's one thing that's great about Outlet is there's different people that are in different places, still kind of figuring out the faith thing, if they have any at all. There's still this place, but it's just beautiful that we would come and we're not in this class system where we're trying to rank people as like, well, these are the pastor people and then here are the leader people and then here are the um, regular people and here are the sinners and the backsliders. Like we just come and there's no rank here, but we're all just... We're all just people who have been invited to the table um, of God. And so we just come and accept uh, the love that he has for us. So will you stand up? Uh, A few instructions is this, you don't, if you want to leave some stuff in here, you totally can, you might not want to leave valuables in here, but do what you want to do, Uh, you can also bring it with, but we did want to say bring your kids, so go pick up your kids if you've left a kid uh, because they want to come play too. Let me pray over the food and then we'll dismiss you out to the back. Uh, Father, we come before you tonight, Lord, we're just so grateful. We're grateful uh, to be invited into your house, Uh, even though so many of us are still in process, still figuring things out. None of us are at the place where we want to be or where you've called us to be, Lord, but we just celebrate and recognize that you have invited us all uh, just the same. So we pray that in this time, even in these small little moments, you would continue to knit our hearts together as a family, help us to um, celebrate and recognize the sacred moments that you've given our lives, even if it seems like kind of regular stuff. There's something sacred and something beautiful about coming and eating together. And so we pray and believe that you're with us. We thank you for the food. We ask that you would bless it and make it nourishing to our bodies. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.